great thing about The Wire that I loved is that I came to television after coming from teachers. And so I didn't consider myself a television director. I considered myself a filmmaker. And the thing that I loved about uh, David Simon and, and Ed Burns and Nina Noble and, and, and George Pelicanos, they loved filmmakers. You know, they, they, you know, they wanted filmmakers. They wanted a filmmaker's perspective. That was always my experience going in. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Kobe. And this is the podcast The Wire Stripped, where we watch HBO's The Wire, all of the episodes. Yes, every week, week by week. And we are joined by some of the cast, some of the crew, and some of the you. Um, so if you guys want to be a voice on the podcast, stay tuned to um, later on in the episode, and we'll tell you exactly how you can do that. And if you don't want to be a voice on the podcast, but you want to talk to the podcast and actually be heard, then you have to send us messages on social media at The Wire Stripped, Twitter, Instagram, all of that. Go chat to us there. Yeah. Um, well, I think we're going to hear a lot more of our voices. So let's head straight to ourselves speaking earlier in the year or the last year, whenever this was recorded. Um, talking about season four, episode six. This is Margin of Error. When you walk through the garden. You gotta watch your back Well I beg your pardon Walk the straight and narrow track When you walk with Jesus He's gonna save your soul Just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole Right, Kobe, here we are. Hello. Hello, we're outside the uh, the polling booth. We've yeah. just been uh, handing flyers out. Have you voted? All day. I did, but it's a secret ballot. I was going to say, I don't want to so, divulge my vote for not Royce. Team Carchetti. Carchetti, are you? Yeah. I'm not going to tell you the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not after, not after what Royce did to Watkins. Ugh, no, played him like a chump. Uh, so will we kick off? Why don't we stay with the politics? Let's then? Stay with so the politics. Before, before, uh, before everyone headed into the, the the boots in this episode, we had uh, we had some last minute campaigning. Karkedi was handing out his own flyers yeah. outside a building, and then he uh, his team alerted him to. Bit of bit of photoshoppery. <laughs> it was really bad photoshoppery, though, wasn't it? <laughs> so it looked pretty poor. It, I'm pretty grainy. I don't know how people, you know, I don't know if people were fooled by that kind of stuff back in the day, but I got a, a rip off copy of Adobe Photoshop. I was terrible at it, and that's what it looked like. Yeah, you just sort of crudely draw around yeah. someone's head and drag it <laughs> drag over it across. somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much where the where the level this was at. It was. It was. It was that kind of poor. Add a bit of word art to it. Some clip, some clip art. <laughs> some clip art. <laughs> the guy, the, the guy with the light bulb. Oh, the fucking yeah. knobhead. Clippy, I hate, Clippy I hated helps him so you much. out. I hated yeah. him so much. Away you go. It looks like you're trying to fake a, a slumlord picture. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some help with that? No, I don't. No, I don't, Clippy. Go Fuck away, off, Clippy. <laughs> but yeah, we, we've got the we've got the votes. Uh, well, obviously, prior to the votes. Um, the build-up to now, we have Mayor Royce. He's shaved his beard off. So, yeah. So he's looking young and youthful. You know. Trying to reattract. Des- desperate, really. It's desperate. A des- desperate move. 
both of you and I have got beards. Is that yeah. is that a sign of desperation if we shave our beards off? Yeah, I think I think our wives would be very very <laughs> suspicious if we came on without our beards. I think my like, wife, these guys are desperate. I think my wife would be very yeah. pleased. <laughs> oh really? She's yeah. anti beard. She's just like mine, mine gives the opposite effect. Oh, does she? She's I'm not allowed to shave off my beard. Oh, that's interesting. I'm a prisoner of my own facial hair. <laughs> Um, but Roy, yeah, Royce is clean shaven now, which uh, statistically is going to make him twenty three percent more likely to receive votes. I believe is that is that how it works? I, yeah, I just made it up, but it sounds <laughs> convincing, doesn't it? That's politics for you. Uh, but yeah, Carcadian Wilson, uh, Norman Wilson, head in uh, to meet an old familiar friend of ours. She. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that uh, Norman drops a, a she. In, a, a in beautiful, this. absolutely yeah. beautiful. That's how famous Clay Davis. Clay Davis is famous in the universe of The Wire. Like, yeah. they all know him for the shyster he is. Well, they, and, they, and it's, it's beautiful and how readily they give him the money because they have they, they feel there's no other way to do it. They know, he's, they know he's a dodgy guy, but at the same time, there's a reason he's in that... P- position of power and you know what's 15k between friends or whatever it was <laughs> yeah he yeah. wrote that piece of paper <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like well if we don't do it and we lose then it was probably because it could be because it's 15k yeah it could make a difference yeah it could make a difference yeah and why not and he's, he's running a tight game play davis <laughs> yeah, you gotta beautiful. respect it and how does he not how do people not pull him up on it that's the thing i just don't understand but that's that's what's incredible. But that's I guess that's the point. He's running his own game as yeah. part of the game. He he's he's he knows how to maneuver it really well. Yeah, yeah. He has, as you say, everyone knows he's doing it. Um, he's getting away with it because there's you said they have to. He's getting kind of getting things done. He's yeah. greasing greasing wheels, but he's also not. So he's sort of like, <laughs> and he's playing both sides and still getting away with it. I don't know. I think it's just because he walks in with his shit eating grin and. Says she and <laughs> it was oh, it's Clay. Kind of charming. Hey, how you doing? Hey, th- hey, Clay. He did get handed a subpoena by Sidner, though. It did that do was the closest Swings he club. ever got to being a sprung. This is true, and yeah. um, what I did like is they didn't pay for his lunch. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I did. I do. I do admire Carcetti and, and Norman for having the uh, the at least having enough principles that they didn't have to schmooze him mm. for like a, a whole hour. Imagine having a whole lunch with Clay Davis. Well, yeah, that's it. So Just five minutes talking at you the whole time. Five minutes, get the money across. Yeah. Agree, get out. Out you go. Yeah. But I love the little. I mean, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is so good in this. Like, just like <laughs> you're buying, right? After all that, I'll take your money and you're buying. Like, <laughs> exactly. See ya. And it's such a testament because Clay Davis isn't actually in that many episodes. He's not in that many scenes, but people know him and love him. Anytime Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is in a different film, you're like, it's he'll, Clay Davis! He'll carry that character <laughs> around will. with him forever. And fair play to him because he made it iconic. Yes. You know, the man's selling bobbleheads. You know, we, <laughs> when, when we interviewed him, he sent us bobbleheads. He did do, yeah. They're, oh, they're awesome. And we give them away as yeah. competition memorabilia. It's, it's great. Clay was aware of the fact that, look, you either play... Or you get played. She. It's Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Clay Davis himself. Clay Davis was definitely going to be the player, and he knew how not to be played. You know, I always felt like <clears throat> he gave uh, the feds a lot of credit, uh, but everybody else uh, were sort of like pawns in his game. Uh, I think I even say that. I say, you know. If the beds came after me, I would say, okay, you know, that's fair. But anybody else, Baltimore police, guys on the street, uh, city politicians, no way. Uh, that would always just kind of 
make me explode inside and say, there's no way that I'm going to be defeated by these, you know, smaller guys than myself. Uh, that was his ego. And, um, um, and that's the way I kind of approached it. I say, I say, you're listening to Anwan Glover, who played Slim Charles. Clay Davis, man. Clay Davis was out the way, but he was, he get it done. You know what I mean? Cockettie, Cockettie was, you know, he was, Cockettie's also a cool one. But it's like, you know, you got to know your city and know what it is for the people. Like, I'll be basically like more for the children like recreation because you got to start at the root of it because right now our kids in my city are, they are out of control with um, carjackings, murder, black on black crime. Um, now it's really like, we never had a lot of women getting hurt. They even shoot the women. It's bad. So, you know, I'll I get into that more and more. There's been a, um, a retreat to authoritarianism all over. Uh, the globe. This is, of course, the man himself, David Simon, the creator of The Wire. There's been a uh, uh, a wealth of disinformation. You know, you can't govern yourselves if you, you don't if if truth no longer exists. And we've entered a post-truth dynamic. I mean, all these things can be felt in, in what we were trying to write about about a city that can no longer recognize its own problems, much less solve them. So I think that resonated, and it resonated in a way that maybe to a greater extent, we were trying to get it so that people in St. Louis and Cleveland and, and, uh, and um, you know, Los Angeles could maybe tune into Baltimore and, and feel uh, some connective tissue to the story. That, that, was, that was the extent of our aspiration. I was pretty shocked when this, this show, um, and you guys may not know, you be aware of your own chronology, but the show hit bigger in the UK first than it did in, in, in the States. And, and you guys became uh, intensely involved in following the um, the themes and the arguments of the show way before um, it, 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 it got any traction uh, across the water. So what happened was um, Americans would, Americans would, it was really funny, American celebrities, you know, actors and stuff, they'd go over to England to do publicity or to shoot something or whatever. And they'd be interviewed on the BBC, and then the guy would just want to talk about the wire. They'd be like, "What happened?" You know, I know I haven't seen it. <laughs> There'd be people would call afterwards and say, "Do you know they're, they've kind of gone a little crazy over there for your show?" And I'm like, "No." And, and but after a while, it was pretty obvious that you guys were attending to it better than we were. Right, as you all know, we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the wire strip, but we now have. Another way you can help us out and the Ella Thompson Fund. Yeah, so if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, you can subscribe to us um, to get a lot of the same benefits as a Patreon account, but it makes it easier if you want to help contribute to the lovely people at Ella Thompson Fund, who, just to remind you, I'm sure we've said a few times this episode already, but they help support underprivileged kids in Baltimore in the way that Cutty did in The Wire. Uh, yeah, so you can get access to our episodes early. You can get access to our full uh, interviews uh, with the cast and crew, uh, including our extended interview with uh, David Simon. No adverts on there as well. And also, Basking in the Glory, they help you out a lot of lovely people in Baltimore and the kids there. It's simple. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll up the feed now, and there's a button for you to click on 
and it costs less than the price of a coffee every month to support lots of lovely people. Now, obviously, that leads into polling day, and you know, people are voting. What I love is um, what I love and hate at the same time is when you see the the president, the mayor, whoever's whoever's running for office. They put the vote in, and they yeah, I voted. Oh, Who did yeah. you vote for? The big smile. You voted for yourself, obviously. But Mayor Royce's smile puts a vote in, turns around. Oh, the cameras are there. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where do you guys come from? <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming, oh. guys. <laughs> He's so good at acting yeah. badly in that moment. <laughs> you know, he's 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 acting Royce being a bad actor. Yeah, yeah. Glenn Timmons really brilliant. enjoyed that. <laughs> Carcetti looks kind of pissed and nervous when he does it. Yeah, like he's not. He, Carcetti doesn't really play to the cameras as well as Royce, but maybe that comes with experience. I think that's that's one of the things that I'm not sure if it's Terry in the previous season or his team beforehand said. Look. You need to you need to like play ball. You've got the smarts, but you can't just attack, attack, attack. Yeah, uh, he's got to have the soft edges. Soft he has, eyes. Yes, he he's still got the soft eyes. He mm-hmm. hasn't got the soft edges just yet, but he's got the. I think his brain's just focused on. I need to get through his day, and he's. I think that's probably where his, his mentality is. I need to get through yeah. his day. I need to get through this day. I need to get through, through this day. He's very distracted. And Aidan Gillen plays him very on edge. Yeah, like it's he's exuding it right up to the last minute. And we sort of see what I like about this episode is that you see. You know, the wire is so good at weaving all these plots together and making them all feel part of this city and mm. one thing affects another. You know, I love I love that about this show, this kind of domino effect that you can watch, like the ring exchanging hands, you yeah. know, perfectly. But the um, we see sort of everyone going about their business on election day and how it affects everyone, you know. Yeah, because schools, Mc- schools are not open today because it's election yeah, day. yeah. Uh, McNulty's um, at the polling station. Kima and um, and Norris have <laughs> they been got, they got shit canned shit can there because they because of their <laughs> their political witness case. Uh, they got to slow the slow the boots. Rolls wants things to slow down. Yeah, yeah again. In, yeah, in, in a scene prior to something, rolls rolls steps up to homicide and kicks those guys up to yeah. over, over and booted in the in the uniform. It's just probably the first time I've seen Kima in a uniform. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is actually, um, and we see Cutty running, uh, running around. We get one of the few moments of um, of a musical montage, which is is diegetic in this instance because it's coming from his his headphones. But it does play over a little montage. I mean, Cutty, Cutty running after he does Cut- the um, the walk of shame from some lady's house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was pretty dark. I thought. Yeah. <laughs> you are coming back though. Um, Bye. Bye. <laughs> He's such a I love how I've just made him this this absolute Lothario. dog. <laughs> he even says that and then he has this moment when he goes back to the gym and you know he's looking for um Spider looking for Spider and he's he's talking to Michael and he sidles up to Michael to find out, yeah, where's Spider at and all these he's being all all friendly. But he the way he does this is so creepy and inappropriate. <laughs> he like sidles up to this young boy essentially and is just like Man, you know I love those women, am I right? <laughs> I don't know what he says exactly. I think he literally says something like, Boy, you know I can't resist that tail. I'm just like, what are you, you're a grown man. Talking Inappropriately to a, talking, talking to a 14 year old boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're not down the pub or whatever. And also, and then Michael lays, lays the truth on him. Yeah, you, 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 you went off with Spider's mother. That's mm. why he's not here. Yeah, yeah. Which That's is like, fair enough. Just rein it in, Cutty. <laughs> Yeah, I know you've been in prison. They've been in Jessup for like years. Just, uh, you know. 
Yeah, but like keep it on the low. Slow it down, down a yeah. bit. Slow it down. It's a but small they were, community. They were throwing. They came. They were bearing lasagna and cake every every session, weren't they? That's the true. He was caught. Yeah, they were. They 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 were as much to blame. <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And from that standpoint, that was uh, hello to be continued. I'm a work in progress. What you want me to do when I first come out here? You see, all these types of things are not things that he had to take on before. This, frankly, sensational voice is the one and only Chad Coleman, who, of course, played Cutty. And, and he had to be aware of. He didn't. It was visceral, raw. Now you got to take on a more nuanced life. You got to think two, three people ahead of how this action might affect somebody. And so you watched him grow up in front of your eyes. I'm I'm not trying to toot this character's one, but this I wouldn't want to play any other character. He was it was just an amazing honesty, complete and absolute honesty to this man's journey that you know I think benefited some folks. And uh, so yeah, that's why I'm proud to play him because all these things that people some people take for granted. It's like, no, no one ever put that in him. You know, no one helped nurture him to learn how to be, to have that kind of awareness. And then for him to take it on, you know. And the other thing we see on election day is um, another little bit of an entrepreneurial streak from Randy. Yes, indeed. Yeah, he gets uh, he uh, gets approached to hand us some flyers. I love when he's with his uh, what's his foster mom called Miss, Miss Anna. Anna. Miss yeah. Anna. Oh, he's so it was such a sweet relationship, don't they? Yeah, it's such really a nice. good kid, Randy. And then he he uh, you know he gets an opportunity while she's voting to to hand out these uh, these flyers, a good paid paid gig. Mm. Um, and then he recruits. He's got, gets a little crew going and all. He's, he's, he gets his boys, and so gets you know you do it quicker. And like I say that. The entrepreneurial spark in him is like awesome. I can get my friends involved. It'd be a good day. And the mistake he makes was to telling his mates that he'd already been paid. Yeah. And he can tell he's kind of like the other guys were just taking the money and run. But he he kind of feels he wants to do it. But at the same time, he's like, yeah, you're right. Why am I doing this? Um, it's the it's the negative influence of his friends. What, yeah. What I love. Even what Dookie. I love. Uh, even Dookie. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dookie. Dookie's ran the numbers and <laughs> realized it doesn't make sense. But it shows how that that didn't even occur to Randy. It shows what a sweetheart he is mm. and how like just how straight his moral compass is. Yeah. That's like true. he that's he true. he is. Didn't he? Like. And even when they were pointing it out to him, he still wanted to do the job. Yeah. And he's just someone who wants to, he wants to run his own business. He's got ideas. You're just bursting with enthusiasm and naivety. He's, it just breaks my his, heart. His smile is like, it probably oh, lights the room so when he cute, smiles. Isn't he? It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And then I mean, let's stick on Randy for a bit because we, in the previous episode, we saw Randy kind of acting as lookout for some, what we kind of make out is, you know, canoodling going on in some, in the in the in in the toilets in, at, the, at yeah. the middle school, or or so it appears to, so, to him to him yeah. yeah and um but what happens is transpired that the lady involved claims uh said that she she was raped mm. and because randy was a lookout she, he gets pulled out along with the two um quote unquote rapists at the time and gets he gets properly dressed down by by the deputy head yeah, um, and he starts confessing to. Well, he starts. I know, you know. Obviously, he's, he's shit scared that he's going to get taken out of school. 
Um, Miss Anna's going to shit cannon back to um, a foster home, another foster home where it's not going to be, as we said, have such a good life. Yeah. And then that's when he talks about, you know, knowing about murder, which is beginning, is the beginning get, of the downfall. Get her attention. Yeah, I guess, well, absolutely. Yeah. Which is interesting though, because why did it have to escalate to knowing about murder before she'd pay attention? Because he was, he was ready to kind of divulge more information, wasn't he? But, yeah, I think she look. She was just ready to suspend him, mm. I think, and then pending further investigation. But you know, he was desperate. His back again was against the wall, and he just. I guess he kind of just blurts it out. Doesn't I guess he? he's implicating the very serious crime because if it's if it is a rape, even though he didn't um, assault her, then he's still involved in it. Yeah, he was an accessory, mm. whether or not he realised it. Um, I mean, look, it's a tricky situation. But it 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 does um it does run up the chain you know I think I it's nice that they tied in Prez's police background here you know yeah. and he was able to kind of uh, investigate this under the radar so he calls um well he goes to Daniels first doesn't he and then Daniels says I like this little moment where he's like uh, this is a perfect one for Carver and he's <laughs> and Prez is like Carver because <laughs> Prez is remember remembering the Carver that we remember from season one. Yeah, um, when they were all there, him, Carver, and Herc, like in the in the pits. <laughs> yeah, in the pits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like when when Carver was just uh, an extension of Herc. Yeah, and they were just these when Carver's idiots. jumping on top of police cars, shouting at people. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Prez remembers. Which is fair enough. Yeah, which is fair <laughs> enough. But uh, you know, other people can have an arc as well, Prez. Not yeah. just not just you. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Carver um, is the right guy for the job, and he and he sits down with Miss Anna, and then kind of sensitively handles it and that's as far as uh, that goes in this episode one day miss donnelly calls her calls him in and he feels like he's being accused of something that he didn't do and he's begging miss donnelly hey don't call my foster mother i can give you some information this is Kristen henning she's the director of the georgetown juvenile justice initiative and she's also the author of rage of innocence how america criminalizes black youth i can help you out um, and one of the things he says, like in passing, is I can, I know some stuff about a murder. Um, and he's not thinking. He's an adolescent. He's a teenager. He's not thinking ahead to what that might mean for him. And Miss Donnelly puts the phone down, agrees not to call his foster mother about this other incident, and instead goes and finds Prez and says, hey, Prez, I've got this kid, you know, who's got this information about a murder. And that is the beginning of an unraveling of just such a beautiful and warm child. Relationship with Ed Burns was great because once he gave, you know, he gave us the backstory that basically like Trezmalewski was saying, like he, he went through a lot of this, he dealt with a lot of this. And he even told us that all of our characters were based on real stories that he see. You're listening to Maestro Harrell who played Randy Wagstaff. So it's also one of those situations where looking back on it too, it's like, you know, a lot of times people, oh, I feel so sad for Randy. And it's like, yeah, but I feel sad for whoever Randy really is. Because that's a, that's a real, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's, it, it's great for, for every, for every, what, five, 10,000, 20,000 Randys, there's, there's one name in. Especially if we're talking like African-American kid who gets sick, stop it. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's a big and then for every for every naming there's a hundred thousand Michael. I definitely think like that was that was one thing that made us kinda 
be more true. And that was also what, when he would give us notes, I think that also made us realize, like, oh, yeah, like, well, he knows what he wants. Like, you know, because he's, he's, he's seen it. Some of the things we couldn't put in the show. This is Ernest Dickerson, a director on The Wire. Well, we would do location scouts. We would, you know, we would actually go into the schools when we were shooting. We, we scouted that. And, um, and I remember the television uh, that was in the classroom, even though the sound was turned down, they had joined the Army course. And it was almost like, you know, this is the pipeline that they're putting these poor kids into. You know, they're not giving them any choice. Join the Army, become cannon fodder. And you could see that, that you know, they were really dealing with the fact that the educational system will be informed with uh, not helping these kids. They, they were really hurting them. And, you know, it wasn't something that we had to really create. It was just scouting locations where we're planning to shoot, going in there while the while the classroom is actually active and seeing what is going on in the classroom. It was uh, proof positive that what we were telling was this treat. We were really telling what it was like, uh, you know, to be, uh, to be in the public school system in the, in the United States. Hey, this is Evan from Switzerland, big fan of the show, um, chiming in to say season four. The first time I watched it was my favorite season, but each time I've watched it, it ranks lower and lower for me, uh, and two quickly became my favorite, even though on the first watch it would have been my least favorite. Um, so I wanted to chime in with a bit of a hot take. Um, I don't know, I feel like four just doesn't hold up as well as the other seasons. I, I don't really have a great reason for it, but that's my take. Right, big thank you uh, for leaving that voicemail. And uh, if you want to do the same, you can do it. We have a burner phone. Uh, you have to call it and then leave a voicemail or send it via WhatsApp or one of those things. And you can do so at plus four four seven five three four eight three one six five eight. Yeah, um, or if that's easy for you, burner at thewirestrips.com. Uh, send um, your voice member there. 30 seconds or less, ideally, gives your name. So you can name check yourself. And we know the whole world knows who you are. And we'd like to know who's your favourite season four character and why. Yeah. Um, if you do want to lose a burner message and you want to make sure you get to the front of the queue, it's one of the perks you guys have as a Patreon member, patreon.com forward slash thewirestripped. Um, and if you leave a burner, we'll make sure you get heard above everyone else, as well as a host of other perks. Um, David, do you have any idea what they might be? There's lots of them. None. No idea. No idea. Never heard of it. Patreon.com, is it? What? <laughs> now, you get uh, you get exclusive uh, interview access. You get to hear these episodes earlier than everyone else. Yep. Um, and you get to leave questions for future interviews yes. that we will be talking about. A lot of the interviews, uh, yeah, a lot of the a lot of the interviews that we conduct are made solely off your of the patrons' questions, um, and also there's some merch as well, which we don't have access to. It's just for the patrons. I don't even know what it looks like. Please send us your merch so we can see. Yeah. 
Um, and that number again is patreon.com forward slash the wire stripped. Um, I'm going back to the election. Mm. Our boy wins. He won. Yay. Carcetti's in. <laughs> Carcetti 2006. <laughs> I want to say. <laughs> where are we? What year is it? Um, so, yeah, he's did, there's a, a nice moment here where he's walking down the, the, the pier yeah. with, his, um, with his wife. He gets the call and uh, he doesn't look happy. And she, she kind of points it out. <laughs> doesn't, does he? No, he's not. He's not impressed. Um, oh, fuck. And then I think that's... Well, that's an interesting reaction, though, isn't it? Because uh, it's like, I think that can happen often with the this idea where you're just chasing something. Well, I think if you put so much time and effort and pressure on yourself, then... It's a bit but, anticlimactic or deflating almost yeah. to, to win in a way. Because in a way, it's not just like, you've won, here's $20 million, now go enjoy yourself. Now yeah. it's like, you've won, now you've got to do this huge, massive thing. <laughs> you got to do all the things you said you were yeah, going to do. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. also like four years of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> so I can understand it. I can understand it, but I'm <laughs> smart enough to not even want to go near that thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. He's only just figuring it out. Um so they have a big old party, as you do in, in politics. He does his announcement speech, and um, Clay Davis shows up after they've seen him on telly endorsing Royce. Uh, and I love this. This is like such a beautiful shady bastard. <laughs> but even, even this is why he gets away with it because Norman just kind of ends up just giving a sort of a slow shake of the head and uh, and a smile, smiling like, "Oh, Clay Davis, you son of a." Clay Davis could not be more happy with himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kind of delivered uh, to both I, parties. What I kind of envisage here is that Clay Davis is in a car, he's in the road, and he's got to the fork in the road, and he's just waiting for, is it Royce left, or is it Carcetti right? Carcetti's won, let's go right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> he had both addresses in his sack now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get this interesting moment just around uh, the politics with... Um, it's at the end of the episode where um, we get a sort of a, the drunken campaign party in yeah, the hotel back, room. Yeah, back in the hotel room. And, I mean, there's always been a bit of a frisson with, between Terry and Carchetti. Um Nothing manifests before now, mm. I don't think, does it? But, I don't think so, no. It was all McNulty before this, wasn't it? It was McNulty. Yeah, yeah. he took. He was, the, he was the dog in the previous episode. Why are we using the term dog in this kind of way? <laughs> he was treat, she treated him like a she did like, a, like a sex thing. Well done, Terry. Which I enjoyed. <laughs> the, uh, he deserved that. And uh, yeah, she kind of uh, kind of says, "I need you know, I need my bonus now." Mm, which uh, is a great line. My win bonus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've never been propositions this way. Yes, is a uh, is an interesting one. And then um, he against his. Uh, the nature which we know him to have, mm. having seen him fooling around yeah. and philandering, as you say, uh, manages to overcome his base urges, right? That's how depressed he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> About being the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm too, too down, Terry. Can't focus on my, uh, my, <laughs> my illicit affair right now. Um, I think, what do you, well, what do you, what's your read on this? I think this is him... Is it him? I don't think it's him trying to do, clearly not trying to do the right thing or no, the moral thing. Because it would have been. clearly like, has done that in the past and, yeah. do, and is would do it again. It's mere, It's just that he's trying to be, he's, he doesn't want to risk his job, his new job, right? I'd imagine that's. I don't even think it's hard. I think he's back. just, I think his head's just in a different place. As we said about when you win, there must be just all this 
Because he wanted to leave the party with his wife, didn't he? And he wanted to... Yeah, and she was like, stay out, enjoy yeah, yourself. Exactly. So I think his yeah. head's just in a completely different zone to the Carcetti of the start of season three. Um, and I think that's just it. I mean, there's, there's this whole load of pressure that's coming on him and maybe he just wants to clear he's got, that And bit. he's got more to lose now mm. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They had a uh, schedule shoot date. This is the voice of Brandy Burry, who played Teresa D'Agostino. And there was a huge time between season three and season four. I mean, I had moved to New York City in between this period because I'm hanging out on the set and people are saying, why do you live in D.C. again? You know, and I said, well, I wanted to be an actor. But I wanted to be seen and blah, blah, blah. They're like, OK, well, now you're seen. So moved to New York. So so I was just still living paycheck to paycheck. And I had no idea when we were going to start shooting again. They didn't give us a date. So in the meantime, I've got into a relationship and met my partner and I'm traveled to Barbados and, and, you know, Belize and all these places, keeping my life going. And um, we discover that we're pregnant. And these are huge problems as an actress because, of course, I want to be on the show. And I'm like, OK, I figure out the weeks and I'm like, this is going to work out fine. They've already told me. They already said I was only going to be in a couple episodes. And then it kept getting pushed back, shooting. And I'm thinking, oh, God, and who do I tell? You know, who's, whose information is this for me to tell? Um, so I finally go into a wardrobe fitting when they finally say we're going to start shooting in a few weeks. And the woman that's trying to fit my pants is like, whoa, like, just, just lay off the carbs a little bit. Um, and that's when I have to mention this. And to be honest, I think they just threw a T-shirt on me. Like, because I, I, when I got there, they literally put this Carcetti t-shirt on me. And I'm thinking, I, at one point, I was like, I don't think Teresa would wear this. But at the same time, you know, again, I wasn't going to ruffle feathers. I was just, let's just get this, you know, show on the road. And I know that, that the show was not about me as an actor. Uh, but, yeah, they literally put a t-shirt on me and was like, stand over there. <laughs> you know, and, and I didn't look, I just looked like I'd gained you know, 10, 15 pounds. I certainly didn't have a, a beautiful belly or anything like that because I never got that, as <laughs> unfortunately. But but that is true. And it did, um, you know, my little seduction scene with Aiden was kind of funny at the, in season uh, episode four because I'm like, oh, excuse me. Excuse me, let me push my belly on you. <laughs> just just write me a check. I have a tendency to break things, so sorry if I hurt your feelings. And And... That's her. She's like, oops, did I did I break you? Oh, well, you know, you came along for the ride. Um, and I think that's her way of her non-emotion. Of, I mean, she, there's a layer of coldness to her, which I think she needs to survive in a in a man, male-dominated, power-driven, competitive world. It's her way of just not caring about anybody. And of course... That's not true. It would have been a whole other series to watch her break. You know, in the end, she doesn't. It's just, just write me a check. You know, you don't you don't see the scene where she goes home and does she, you know, have a breakdown? Does she care that, that you know, where it, it's not really about that. It's about the coldness that you must, you know, live in to survive in the politics of this, this world. A slight trip down the Barksdales. We see, we see Brianna Barksdale again. Yeah, nice to see Brianna again. Michael Hyatt. Um, so she pulls in Naaman and his mom um, to drop some news on them. 
yeah, we ain't going to fund your shit no more. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> you got to buy your Xbox games on someone else's paycheck, Naaman. Um, so she is, I mean, Delanda is such a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love her, though. It's brilliant. I love She's it. really good. She is a feisty cat. And yeah. I think lots of people hate Delanda. And we obviously, we've we spoken to her for this season. And she loves the way people um, respond to her because it's, it's, a, it's a loving kind of hate. They know. They well, she's know. awful, but yeah. but she's she's, she's entertaining. Awful. You do Absolutely. love to watch her. Yeah. yeah, you love to hate her. I think one of my least favorite characters is uh, Officer Walker. Like, oh, genuinely. he's just hateable. He is hate, no, hate, hate. No redeemable yeah. about him. But Delonda Naaman's mom is comedy. She's hateable. She's sharp, tongued. Everything. It's brilliant. And she's quite, but she's quite. Um, uh, she's re- she's determined. She's got really positive char- characteristics mm. as well. Like she is trying to do the best to for her and her son yeah. in their own world. She's she, if you look around, she's doing better out of most people. Name is doing the best out of his three, uh, four friends. Yeah, and she's like, well, this is what I need to do to provide for my family. Uh, and she's encouraging him to go out and get a job. Y- yeah, didn't drugs. The only kind of job <laughs> which she knows. <laughs> um. But like yeah, but but also she, it, it, you do get the sense that she's just living off other people's paychecks, and now she just wants to live off her son's hard mm. work, right? I mean, she could easily get a job. Oh yeah, there's nothing, well. st- zero things to stop no. her getting a job. So she's, that is a she's not stupid in any way, shape, or form. Um, and what I find, obviously, there's that kind of kiss off line from Bianca saying, "You've, you know, we've given you plenty over the time." Yeah. So you can sell, you can kind of sense that she's just been squandering all yeah. that money. On on the Xbox games and the and the and the best and the basketball jerseys yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's surely dis- yeah. There's a whole scene where she buys him a load of new clothes mm. in there. Yeah, yeah. So it does it does feel quite. She hasn't invested her money no. wisely. Either. I'm not sure. Is there a I don't know. Is there a Barksdale pension scheme? <laughs> that, was, that was probably it. She's <laughs> probably buying the funeral home. Yeah. yeah, we're going to give you a hundred grand a year, but make sure you put fifty that away for a rainy day. Yeah. She missed that day. Sorry, she, she wasn't there for the, for the Stringer Bell School of Economics. Um, but then this, I guess this causes her to re-up her, like, yeah, Naaman, you got to step up. And he's like, I don't want to. Yeah, I feel bad for him. Um, he knows it's a tough life. He's just come, he's come back from seeing his dad in prison every other week. Yeah. He wants that. Yeah, she didn't want to lose it, man. This is, of course, the one and only Naaman, played brilliantly by Julito McCullum. But she was a dragon lady, right? What do you call her? The dragon lady. She, she, she had to do what she had to do, man. And Naaman just so happened to be the, you know, the person on the other end of the stick because he wasn't ready for it. I have this backstory on Delanda growing up in uh, foster care. This is actor Sandy McCree who played the absolutely hissable Delanda Bryce. And I, and that she met Weebay not on the street, not hustling. And wanting to be a uh, 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 whatever gold digger, but that they grew up in foster care and they were best friends and determined to be something. So that was her mentality. So I had a lot of empathy and sympathy. Was she deplorable? Yes. Was she misunderstood? Depends on who's asking as she would say. I have a lot of heart for that character. A lot of heart. But when I drop into her, 
I'm committed 1,000% because that's all she knows. She, as the actress, was very sympathetic to the character and to and to really to the dilemma, right, that Black mothers face, right? How do you help a child survive in, you know, an inner city Baltimore, right? Um, and, you know, and, and in many ways, maybe she thought she was doing the best with the resources and the um, um, and the tools that were available to her, the opportunities that were available to her and to her son. Um, because, right, like somebody gives you um, a loaf of bread, you kind of take it. If that's if that's all that's given to you, that's the all only opportunity. You're not given an opportunity to 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 make the bread yourself or to own the bread making business. You take the bread. That's the handout. And so in some ways, you know, the the you know, drug dealing as an option is given to them. Um, and, you know, she creates this sort of lofty life for him. He wears the best clothes. He always has food on his table. He always has a roof over his head. Whereas, like, you've got the other kids, the corner boys are really corner boys. Michael, for example, you know, you know, these other kids who really, you know, are impoverished or, you know, don't have parents and the like. So, I, you know, I, I, those are wonderful. Your, your statement was a wonderful reminder of throughout the episode, I did try hard hard to be to see both sides of every character right even the police sometimes right um and and uh to understand how we got there and all the and i, I know david simon cares about this the institutional forces at work that are working behind the scenes and impacting the individual players in every single one of the episodes and every single one of the seasons and that's in part what i i think i hear you're saying and i imagine that she was saying that these forces are working on her as a black parent and her son, Naaman. All right, let's head over to uh, Major Crimes. And uh, the crack team of Herc and Sidner are, are still... Oh, for fuck's They've got their wiretap up. <laughs> Isn't it a bit kind of a bit sad that the show is called The Wire and it all started with one wire and now this is the wire we're, we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. This is the denouement of... Of covert investigations, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's it is it is sad because we know we just know. And I said it in previous episodes, we know how good it can be if you do it properly. If, but if you half-ass it like these guys, I know it's just the worst. He doesn't even re- requisition the camera. No, right? it's like they may as well just be holding, um, like putting a few like branches and trees on the front of their their van and on the top to, in an effort to disguise it or draw some camouflage nothing, on it nothing <laughs> this guy just walks up to a van with Dunkin Donuts yeah and then leaves like two minutes later without the Dunkin Donuts you just feel like is there's there someone r- in there right in front of yeah <laughs> is there someone in there that wants Dunkin Donuts is that a police van have you got surveillance there I love it <laughs> um, but I thought you obviously the Marla not being stupid or Herc being very stupid. Um, I think both of those, both of the above. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They realise something's going on and they, they play a little game with Herc and Herc and, Herc and team, which I think is actually absolutely this is, genius. This is great. <laughs> and what, what I like about this is that this is the kind of the first sign of like comedy we've had from, um, from Marlo. Marlo. It's kind of unexpected, right? Did he smile He's at a bit of a sense of humour. No, he doesn't smile. <laughs> he sometimes smiles. When he does smile, though, it looks wrong, mm. doesn't it? You get a little bit of a... It just looks like he's going to fucking... I'm going to fucking kill you for smile. Last season, he had, we saw him having sex with a woman, and he did not look like he was enjoying anything. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and he's thinking, 
if you're not enjoying yourself having sex, when do you enjoy? He's yourself? a man who doesn't <laughs> enjoy life. He's just just going through the motions. He's a shark. Full uh, on shark. He is a shark. He's a man shark. Um, so he, yeah, this is funny though. I mean, like you, you got to admire the the intricacy of it. So yeah. he, he plays it beautifully, Marlowe. So he sets uh, sets Herc up with a, you know, it's just like, but Herc is too stupid to realize. Like if Freeman was in that van and was being fed these lines, you know, he'd just be straight up. There's no way. Like there's no way this guy is is going to go is going to go anywhere near a package, right? <laughs> but Herc's just like. He's an idiot, right? This is Herc's thing to everything. He's a drug dealer. He's an idiot. We've got him. Like, he can't rationally, like, rationally think about anything. Herc, not, not all drug dealers are stupid. Yeah, but this is Herc's problem. He's, mm. he's, he's simplified the world in his, in his mind, right? It's just like, the, that's why he was so suited to the Western busting heads, us and them. And that's why I suited. Drugs are drugs are bad. But it's good. It was good in the MCU under other people's guidance. He doesn't lead the MCU. He shouldn't. He shouldn't yeah. be there without Daniels, without Freeman, without uh, Kima. No, he should. He, him being told by Marimo to go run the investigation <laughs> is the worst thing that could have happened to him. Oh, love it. Um, I, I do love that scene when it's almost like the. Have you seen the Untouchables recently? Yeah, it is like that. The train yeah, station. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, goes to, it goes there and it's hanging out <laughs> yeah. with the, the transport police. Spots Marlowe and just waits for Marlowe to find a random skinny person, skinny lady. Marlowe grabs the can bag I help you? Him. Can I help you with that, man? Yeah, that's, I thought that was genius. I'll, I'll help you. It's okay. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. It's okay. Shh. Herc and team dive. And it's just like, oh, you... I love it. It was just so, so much bait. He left them so much bait, and they took every. Herc swallowed up every <laughs> tiny little bit of bait. So good. He ain't so much. Using cell phones and shit. What's he saying now? What time I gotta pick up the skinny girl? I do it. Don't want nothing to go wrong. Maybe he's picking up a girlfriend? Skinny girl from New York? It's cold. Cocaine. Damn, man. For Marlo himself to get near a package. He's a mope! I told you. Right, so let's check in um check in with Prez and the boys. We get this nice little uh nice little scene where Juki Dookie shows up to uh to school and Prez Shows him uh, his own little locker in the gym where he's going to leave him fresh clothes every day. What a lovely scene. What what a sweetheart after being such a twat in, in previous seasons, but still what a sweetheart. I know. How did we get here? I still can't, <laughs> I still can't quite <laughs> compute it. But, uh, but yeah, the man, the man has changed and it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's lovely. Anyone showing the, the the tenderness, and we said it last week. You know, the tenderness he shows to Dookie, but also the sort of sensitivity. Mm. You know, he he doesn't just like steamroll in here or just like no. he he handles it very subtly. And I love yeah. the way I just the picture. Prez goes home with the dirty clothes, does it washing? He puts all the washing on whilst he's watching his football, whilst he's doing whilst he's doing the marking. And yeah, and back feels, in the next day. Yeah, it's just, it's just so sad that Dookie has to go home in dirty clothes. Then, do you know what I mean? Mm. But, 
But the um, what I love about this as well is that this this is Prez. This is consistent with his character. You know, he's so, he's problem solving. That's what he's good at. Like he saw in the last episode, he had the problem of you know Dookie's people selling his clothes, yeah. and this is quite an elegant solution that he's come up with. I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. And I can only assume that Dookie doesn't have running water at home as well. And, you know, it just says, get here early. We'll make sure you've got a, sh- a hot shower and soap. Yeah. Clean clothes. It's interesting. They don't, they don't, they don't, they've shown us very little of Dookie's home. They they tell it to us through, and never from Dookie, in fact. Dookie's no, no. Very, a very silent character. You, you We hear it through the grapevine, you know, prayers gets told by other people or reads between the lines and the way and the way like uh, Naaman's mum reacts to him as well you can tell oh yeah well we still I'm still not over that <laughs> no <laughs> no told <laughs> where she closed the door on him oh I hate her again press here is on the path to redemption I wouldn't say obviously he's done some bad things which are unforgivable but you know it starts to show that he he's making a difference to mm. someone's life and that's know? what that's what a lot of teachers want to do isn't it yeah Start to make a difference, and we have Bunny trying to make a difference too. Is he? Does he want? I don't know. What's Bunny's kind of angle here? I guess he's he's seen. Good he's question. seen the the what the ravages of the drug life can can inflict on a, on a community. So I guess if I was Bunny, I'd be thinking, well, if I can actually do something here to help guide these young misguided kids then that's something that, that will have potentially more impact than Amsterdam yeah yeah exactly it's going back to the to the root of the this is mm. this is the the ex, where the dawn of the problem because he said he was the one that said yeah. high school is too late you need to get earlier yeah exactly and so he's going to the you know he's going to the root yeah. and he's going to try and make a difference there but it, it, i think his angle is if I'm honest, I think when this job first presented, it was just kind of a, kind a, job. Of a, a job and a paycheck. Mm-hmm. But I think he's somebody who is attracted to a bit like Prez, you know, a problem and looking at it slightly differently and trying to come up with a new way, just like Amsterdam. Yeah. You know, he's not somebody who's who takes the game and, and for what it is. You know, he wants to, to kind of bend it and change it and make it better for everyone. Yeah. Which is why we love Bunny. And this is the sort of beginning, this is Bunny Bunny begins. This is their class uh starting to form up him and Dave Dr. Parenti's um little experiment is 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 finally happening. They've pulled uh they pulled in Naaman, Zenobia, Darnell, Kareem Albert Stokes. I've got all their names in front of me. <laughs> you bet I don't have this good a memory. I was going to say, well done. <laughs> um, so they are, uh, yeah, they're in their new classroom and um, it gets a bit shouty. Yeah. Yeah. Naaman sort of says it's like a like a prison, that they're in solitary and the normal classes are general pop. How, I mean, solitary tends to have no one else there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we see Sergeant Mello, the original Jay Landsman. Um, yeah, talking about looking out, telling the telling the troops to look out for Omar because Omar has been implicated in the killing of a civilian, and yeah. and McNulty's like, huh? That's not the Omar I know. <laughs> He'll kill a guy, but not a civilian. Um, and I think you know that's still you get Omar, you get the McNulty flashes of like McNulty being McNulty and sparking up, and 
Yeah. Does it say to Herc and Herc just like, I don't care. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> Someone's name check Omar. I don't, we'll go and find him and pick him up. That's fine. Yeah. And then we see, obviously then the, the call is that Walker, Walker sees Omar, doesn't he, in the, in the convenience store, calls it in, pulls Omar out and all the police from the Western suddenly appear from nowhere. And there's a nice moment where he hides his gun. Yeah. In the, um, which is smart. In, in the fridge, wasn't it? In the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> um, Here's a pan of milk and can I buy this gun? It's, how much? Is, it's got no tag on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice and cool though. Yeah. Um, yeah, wa- oh, Walker. And this is where he slips the ring off Omar, doesn't he? Yes. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've seen the, the ring transfer from Pearson to person ends up on Walker. So good. Um, and uh, McNulty is uh, shows some. T- I love this little moment here where McNulty gives him a phone call. Yeah. Omar calls Butchie, and um, uh, Santangelo. <laughs> I love that Santangelo keeps showing up consistently brilliant. since season it. one. Yeah, he just what's he says? Are you a fucking Democrat or what? <laughs> <laughs> But that call proves to be like super valuable for Omar, um, and saves his life. Well, yeah, absolutely. We see that he lands in prison or jail or whichever the first place you go to is, um, and two of the guys appear in the in the cell with him. And Omar, I don't know to his credit or just he knows where he's at. He just steps up with his fists up, ready to ready to start busting he's heads. And they like, no, butchy centers. And there's like I love that they're kind of playing with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, do you recognise any of those two guys? Not that you would recognise them. Uh, no, tell me. So one of the guys, uh, the guy with a kind of a a mesh hat on, mesh beanie on, is Donny Andrews, who is the guy that inspired Omar. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah. Oh great! Yeah, and they actually call See, him. This is why I love listening to this podcast. I, le- <laughs> I learn things. <laughs> The real Omar, Donny Andrews, protecting the fake Omar. Oh, that's so good. Michael K. Williams. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see a bit more of him in the next episode. Yes, we will. We will see you in one week. <laughs> so we have uh, a favourite semi-recurring section, the alternative epigraph. Yeah, there were some some good lines in this one. Yeah. Uh, my my favourite was... Um, Rawls uh, at the polling station <laughs> and he says uh, American democracy let's show those third world fucks how it's done which is just it <laughs> sums up Rawls and American jingoism and patriotism and the whole the whole thing just oh it's so Rawls it is yeah. it is um, and mine is from Omar don't you know those rules in this here game oh that's when he's being arrested isn't it yeah 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 I love, <laughs> I love how how Omar is the character that plays the that has rules and code the most. Yeah, you know, he play he wants he wants rules and lives by them. Okay, guys. Well, that's the end of episode six. Thank you to everyone whose voices we heard at all the contributors on this episode. It's a pleasure to hear them all every single time. And uh, thank you to Sonics, uh, the transcribing service that we use. Uh, if you'd like to use them, you can use the uh, the link sonics.ai forward slash invite forward slash script. Yeah, um, we love, love, love the podcast logo for this season. Um, that's from at Black Snow Comics, at Black Snow Comics. That's Michael Balistreri. Uh, and also thanks to Izzy Lawrence for the icon that she made way back when we started this podcast a few years ago. All those years to go. And uh, thank you to Martin and Sam who recorded our, our amazing cover of uh, Way Down in the Hole all those years ago. And uh, you can listen to their podcast 
sung by the sung by sung podcast, which I recommend. By the way, yeah. it's a, we don't we don't actually talk go into detail here, but it's a Tom Waits sung by sung, his whole and uh, like uh, every record he ever made, his whole back catalog. It's awesome, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane how much there is. It's a great podcast. Um, thanks so much to producer Obi for all the help and awesomeness that you give us, uh, and to uh, the man, the legend, the myth, T Bone Tom Wally. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much um, to <laughs> our Twitter account. No, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter <laughs> or Instagram, we are at the Wire Strips. Do follow us there. Um, say hello. Um, and, you know, like all the posts and give us, you know, the lovely messages. And thank you to all of the people who've joined our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the Wire Stripped uh, and uh, get access to all those perks and all the money goes to the Ella Thompson Fund. Yep. Um, and lastly, but not leastly, um, do leave us a little review or um, five-star tap on your favorite podcast app um, they listen to right now. And tell a friend, tell one friend about this podcast if you think they might enjoy it and they like The Wire. Just one. Just one. No more, no No more. Just yeah. one. Just pick one. Pick the best one you have. <laughs> and send them to us. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Uh, for episode 7 on two others you just heard a stripped media production <laughs>